Today I'm having a conversation with Kathy George. Kathy is a writer, business owner, entrepreneur, singer, and lots of other things. Kathy and I originally met in January of 2018 at Rick Tamlin's VIP Mastermind in Los Angeles, California. We had not met each other before. And we both signed up to do additional work with Rick. And one of the things that came out of that event was getting really clear about your message, who you are, what you're offering to the world, and Rick's suggestion that one of the best ways to do that, to get clear on that message, is to get interviewed by another person because it helps you get out of your head, you just talk, and often in the process of talking, surprising things come out that maybe you hadn't expected. So. This conversation that I recorded back in January was originally just that with Kathy. I volunteered to just do a, quote, fake podcast with her and just interview her and just talk about whatever. So we figured out how to get Kathy on Skype and just had a conversation. And I had no idea where the conversation was going. I used my most deepest curious coaching question type approach and just kind of asked her anything that popped into my head. And I think in almost all cases without really any idea what the answers were, which I think makes for, well, it always makes for great coaching and also good interviews. So if you are wanting to get clear on your message and you'd like to go through the same process with me, I'd love to do it with you. Uh, at the end of this podcast, you'll hear uh, how to find the website, my email address, all that kind of stuff. So definitely drop me a line. I'd be glad to do it. So with Kathy's permission, I took what was originally intended as just a, quote, fake podcast or an interview that she could use as she want and turned it into this episode. The only thing I've changed is I removed some things at the beginning that didn't fit, and some things at the end that were incomplete. So here we go. And today I am joined by Kathy George. Kathy, how are you today? I am very good. Thank you. How are you, John? Good. So who is Kathy? Kathy, at this moment, is a single girl sitting in a very beautiful house near a lake in a very, very cold climate. I think it's about uh, 10 below wind chill factor today in southeastern Wisconsin, and um, she is dying for warm weather, <laughs> mm. and she's dying for um, some really great communication and a great bunch of friends that she can kind of talk this whole thought leader stuff with that she's recently uncovered, and so um, I'm really glad to have met you and this whole you know bunch that we've recently communicated with. And um, I feel like I'm sort of on my way to maybe staying in this spot. I thought I had to leave this spot, but I don't know that I have to leave my home, but maybe I can springboard out of here and um, not only go away and get some great information and meet some great people, but bring that back to a place that I think is pretty in need of it now that I look around. And what is this place? 
the place that I want to get to? Or the place that you are? Like, where where are you in the United? Is, the, is this oh, a I'm metaphorical in, place? Is this a physical no, I'm in, place? No, I'm in southeastern Wisconsin. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm near Madison, Wisconsin. And are you a native? I am a native. Yes. I've moved. I moved about an hour and a half away and in our German uh, heritage and community that is like really leaving the fold, you know? So I'm the only <laughs> one who's gone. <laughs> <laughs> you left home. Wow. <laughs> so, so time, and, so if time and money were not an issue, what would you do? Well, honestly, time and money aren't an issue. Whoa. Uh, okay. <laughs> crazy then... enough, right? <laughs> <laughs> so with, okay, well, how do boy, that's a, I haven't, I haven't talked to many guests in this situation. So Wow, I, I'm almost stumped here. So with, because normally when I ask people like, what are your dreams? Like, what would you, if time and money were an, or an option? They're like, oh, if time and money were an option, I'd do this. So for you, if there were no limitations, maybe you want to talk about those, maybe you don't, what would you do? Well, I would do what I'm doing, but I'm doing it with such tiny baby steps. I used to be a singer and um, a, a good singer with a great band and we did wonderful things. We sang the national anthem at a you know county stadium, nationally te- televised um, game, and did a, a couple of little jazz showcases on some of the local TV stations, and just had a great time. But one day that all ended, as all good things do, and a band is a relationship like a marriage, really. And it was a mournful thing. It was in a couple of them, but the last one was particularly wonderful, you know, as far as the whole. Um, the way that we related and, and what we came up with. And so I, I was basically on my couch one day, just thinking, God, I just have nothing, you know, to do that makes me feel amazing anymore. And I thought I will stay on this couch until I figure it out. And I sat for about four hours and I thought about, you know, what do I really do? And I have a good voice. I'm not, you know, I'm not Celine Dion, but I can certainly carry a tune. But the thing I think I really do is tell a story. And so I decided that, you know, well, what can I do to not have to be in a smoky bar and really just taking up all my weekends and holidays? And what do I want to do with this ability to tell a story? And I thought, well, I mean, I could write, which I never really intended to do, even though I thought it and knew it and said it. But um one day I just put my hands down and this four page piece came out of me in about four hours. And every time I put my hands down, the same thing happens, which is really interesting. It's just not putting my hands down enough. <laughs> so, <laughs> it sounds kind of magical. Um, it, it, it is. I mean, it's this thing that, I mean, I don't think about it. I don't question it. I don't want it ever to end, but I've put together um, about four, about 104 page pieces and it's memoir, really, but I fictionalized it because um, I just think it's I can have more fun with it that way. And I've gone to a couple of writing retreats, and I've I met some really great people. And I met an editor who's a little indie publisher, and he's agreed to mentor me. So I'm stringing together these pieces in, like he says, we're going to pull a thread from the prologue through chapter one through chapter two. And find out at the end really what, you know, this book is all about because it's about so many things, you know? Wow. So that is really where I I am right now. And I'm loving the writing part, but I am, because I have so much freedom, it's hard to be 
disciplined, I guess. How did that freedom come about? I've always been entrepreneurial, I guess. I mean, I, I started selling trinkets around my neighborhood when I was four for a penny a piece, and I guess it just <laughs> never stopped. <laughs> so I've started a few uh, businesses, and the band was one. I had a health club for a while, and then I started a small marketing research company, which turned into a merchandising company with no apparent knowledge of any of this. And just sort of made it up as I went along. And I guess when you don't know what you're doing, there's no reason to be afraid. You just sort of jump in and give it a whirl. And before I knew it, I had 200 employees and we were in the upper Midwest and clients were coming to us without any advertising or any really work on my part, except having a great bunch of people, you know? So I had a staff after about 10 years of this, I've been in business 23 years now, and the staff just um, started to run things for me on the day-to-day. So I just took off and I traveled and I just love traveling. I just get so spiritual and I get so enthusiastic and inspired. And um, it's the business is now sort of just taking a, a quite a bit of a downturn, but once again, it seems to be holding its own. So it's, yeah, it's, that too is a, a bit magical, I have to say. What what have been some of the inspiring things that have happened to you in, say, the last year or so? Um, I would say the the writing retreat that I went to, which was pretty scary. I generally like to go somewhere for a couple of months each year. I started out with a little house on the ocean in uh, the Keys, and then I went to Kauai for three weeks and stayed for three months because my staff was so amazing. And last year I went to Coronado and I, I write when I'm there because I thought I could only write when I'm gone. I could mm. only write when I wasn't in my home and in my life, which I'm finding is, of course, baloney. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, I signed up for this writing retreat and to be accepted, I had to have a synopsis and like the first three chapters of a book. So I just applied myself and I loved every day of it. And when I got there, I mean, I was, you know, of course, everything I'd done was incorrect. And, you know, everybody's got their idea of what's supposed to be all these New York uh, Times bestselling authors. You know, what what do they know, right? (laughs) So that's who I was meeting with. And um, but I I read and I got to meet this editor who just totally I I trust him with uh, with everything I'm doing. So that was inspiring. And I have to say, I met a life coach, and I've had a few in the past, which were not inspiring at all. And um, she has been pretty inspiring. And I, I'm sort of letting her go now. I've come to a place where I think I'm just able to practice on my own for a bit. Mm-hmm. And tennis is inspiring. I've started playing tennis, and I can't get enough of it. What is it about tennis? You know, I have never been a an athlete, but I've been a cheerleader and a yoga instructor and that kind of thing and an aerobic instructor. So this is very different having to like, you know, hit a ball over my head, like a, like a, like a sideways throw, you know, like you would throw a softball, which I could never do. And there's something about hitting that ball back and forth and connecting with it and just having the energy of that thing fly across the, the court and with that that sound, and I, there's just something I just love about any type of a racket sport that there's a, a, some kind of an energy to it, I guess. Well, it almost sounds, I mean, I'm kind of making this up, but it sounds kind of like your life right now, too. Like your life ah. is kind of accelerating, like a ball accelerates off a racket. Like it's mm. 
it feels like you're really going somewhere. Does it? Well, that's good to hear. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, you mentioned going to these places each year. You're writing this book, which, oh, that I, I was going to ask you. So where are you going this year? Well, this is funny. I just in the, this afternoon, um, I came into a bit of a, an issue. I had two months in Sonoma planned <clears throat> and I had this great little house and I had it all worked out. They would take my dog, even though they don't take pets. And I had it all set. And uh, about a month ago, I met this woman um, who lives, who is from Senegal, but she lives in Austin, just moved to California, of course, because everything in my life now is California. And uh, we connected and she's a very amazing woman. She's done TED Talks. She's an entrepreneur. And she and I spoke and she's starting a school in Senegal. And I said, I would love to help. What can I do? So she said, well, you know, uh, we're going in the spring and, um, I just want my friends and whoever wants to come along time to sort of get to know my country and, and see what this school is. And I said, I would love to go. So she invited me and honest to goodness, yesterday, before I pushed the button to book those two months in Sonoma, an email shot in and it was her. And she said, we're going either March or April. Wow. <laughs> like, oh, and normally in my old life, I would have thought, it. That's this is you know ruining my plan, but then, <laughs> but I began to think this is my plan. So wow, thank God I didn't push that button. So that's where you're going. That's well, that's where I'm going. But um, I pressured her just a little, and I said, you know, I still wanted to do a Sonoma trip. So she has told me that she will hold off for the month of March. So now I'm trying to find that perfect place in Sonoma because I again very synchronistic. I emailed the woman who I was going to book with this morning. And said, I can book, but only for March. And she said, unbelievable. Just an hour before you you texted me or emailed me, somebody looked at the property and booked it. Wow. So I guess I wasn't supposed to be there. <laughs> so what, <laughs> how has this, so you talked about the older version of you. What does the newer version of you believe about life and how it works? I am just so trusting of what happens. I don't second guess and I don't piss and moan and I don't question it nearly as much. When something happens, I, I really believe that it's, I am finally listening. You know, I've fought that listening voice for so long, except when I would write. That's the only time I'd really listen when that four hours of magic would come through my head. But now I'm listening a lot more often and it's pretty interesting what, what you hear, you know? Yeah. What are some of the things you're hearing? Well, I, I think it's taking the fear out of me a little bit, but I can really, I, I talk out loud to myself a little, or I pretend I'm talking to my uh, dog. No, I've heard that's course. healthy. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Brendan Bouchard talks <laughs> yeah. about that in his latest book, when you talk to yourself oh, really? and if you use your name in the first person. So if oh, you're like, I sometimes do. Yeah. yeah. So if you're like, yeah, Kathy, on, you know, Kathy. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> this would be like, Kathy, it's going to be a great day. And Kathy, this is what you need to do. And <laughs> so you're on the right track. Keep going. Yeah, very funny. Um, so sometimes I will be saying out loud, so do, do I really want to do that? And I will I will say it back. I will speak back to myself saying, uh, yeah, you really do. This is this is what you want. And it'll be like, oh my gosh. I mean, it doesn't always exactly even sound like me, you know. <laughs> so it's I I am pretty amazed by that. It happens more and more the the more I keep myself open to it, you know, of course. Speaking of listening, what would be the most, so say you were at a 
a happy hour or something and you overheard some people talking about you, what would be the most flattering thing that you would hear them say about you? That she is, that she is brave and that she's adventurous. And it sounds like you are. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm picking up. So speaking of brave and adventurous, if you were to go back, like say you could travel in time, say you could go back 20 years and give yourself some advice 20 years ago, what advice would you give yourself? I would say, don't be so concerned about staying in your little tribe because you miss so many opportunities when you are always conforming to, you know, not the government and not, you know, the politics, but, but those people that love you and want you there, but it really puts off your life because I'm still breaking away from that tribe. And, you know, it's been a long time. And had I been able to do that earlier, when I was 18 and I was graduating, I was going to go to New York and I was going to sing. And I really was. (laughs) And I met a guy and, you know, six months later, I was supposed to go on this big, long bike trip with my girlfriends before I left. And I bought this fabulous bike and we were going to bike to Maine. And I sold the bike and I stayed. And, you know, yeah, I can still do those things now, but I just wonder, of course, where I'd be if I had really listened to myself and not been talked or told you know, by others that I would be breaking all these hearts if I left, you know, Mm. my family, my friends. So that would be something I wish I had been able to hear earlier. What would you say is the biggest challenge you've overcome in your life? Well, there are lots of them, actually. I mean, we were on welfare as when I was a little kid and we came from a pretty, pretty crazy background. My father was a alcoholic and he was he was, you know, abusive and in a lot of different ways. So I think that's why the brave piece is so important for me because I was the little kid, the youngest of the three that would stand up to him and tell him what I thought. And he liked that actually. Mm. He told me once in a drunken stupor that I was the only one in the family that had any guts. And so from that point on, I always knew that I could use that piece on many people and on many situations, that bravery, and I could, I could succeed, you know? And so I think though, and this is part of what I think the book is about, um, that bravery can get uh, out of hand and you can lose parts of yourself when you focus so much on the sword that you're holding, you know, and you, Um, I don't think I'm a, my friends think I am, but I don't think I'm a very feminine woman. (laughs) Um, I feel like I'm a, you know, a a bit of a a strong, I think I've got a lot of masculine energy, but you can have those pieces, but I think you need to, and I think that's listening and becoming really who you are. And I think that glass is starting to break for me a little bit. Um, yeah. Say more about holding this sword. Well, yeah, um, just being brave all the time. And, you know, I was, 
I felt alone a lot when I was little and I felt um, responsible a lot when I was little. And the only reason I ever wanted to have money and to be successful and to be famous, all three things I always knew I would be, which I'm you know, working on, <laughs> of course. Mm. Um, the only reason I wanted those things were to, was to give it to the rest of my family. I wanted them to know who we were. You know, we were not some little welfare poultry kids. We were uh, once I said we, we were princes, princes in poverty. I mean, that's how it felt to me. Like we were just the best, but we were put in the situation and I, I for one, wasn't going to tolerate it. So keeping that sword up. So was it the idea of just kind of like vigilance ongoing, like never letting your guard down and that, that being exhausting or something else? No, it's being protective of myself, of probably my I don't know. I've always, always been pretty vulnerable. I mean, I'm pretty straight, a straight speaker, but it is protective of, of others around me, but I think it's a protective of, of my word and of, I don't like people that, that bullshit and I don't like, you know, people who lie. I mean, it just, I mean, we all do these things, of course, but there's something about being straight and telling, telling it like it is. I think that is sort of brave and it's also off-putting. And so that, you know, that sword, I don't know what it is about that, but somewhere in that little nugget, I, I see that whole straight shooter thing and people hate that. You know, most people hate that about me, that I just am so blunt and I say it like it is because that's not how polite people are, you know, so maybe I'm not so polite. <laughs> What would your closest friends be surprised to learn about you? They're always surprised to learn that I'm afraid of anything, but I'm afraid of a lot because I guess I have this persona. They they like to say that I am fabulous in business, that I am, you know, great in community. I'm great in friendship and with men, I am a puddle, as my girlfriend always says. So that's kind of funny, right? Interesting. <laughs> but it goes back to that whole sword thing, I think, you know, and I'm not really, I mean, I have had lots of fabulous relationships of which, you know, I very often I'm the one who leaves them, but when there's some relationship that is really, really important to me, it's something that I think is, wow, this is the one. Then I think I hand over my power and maybe I lay the sword down or maybe I keep the sword up and hand over the power. I don't know, but that's when it doesn't work for me. And I think that that's an interesting piece that not, you know, men wouldn't know about me, of course. <laughs> now the secret's out. Yeah, right. <laughs> what, what's the biggest challenge that you have right now in your life? And maybe, you know, maybe there's a, a listener out there that can actually solve this problem for you. I mean, just kind of wave a magic wand. What's some challenge out there that you would love to solve in the next six months? I would really like to be able to be in a different locale. It is just on my mind at all times. And I have a hard time making that move. But as I said at the beginning of this, I think I can move in a different way. I don't have to pick up and leave. And that's why I've done the little three-month stints to see, you know, can you really do it? Can you live somewhere alone? Can you go somewhere new? And of course I can. And I always end up making friends and finding a little life, but that is a big thing for me. Um, it preoccupies a lot of my thoughts. <laughs> is 
and this trip to Senegal would could that turn into something bigger in along oh, yeah. these lines or where where do you see that going? Well, it's funny because I have a vision board sitting in front of me, which <laughs> I made with a bunch of girlfriends. They've never heard of this before. And I, this is the second one I made. And, um, so I made mine for this year and I thought for this call, I'm just going to plunk it in front of me. And it's, there's a lot of Africa on it, which is interesting. Um, so I could definitely live someplace like that. I don't know if, if forever, but I would love to go to a place like Africa for a year. She talked about the fact that she needs someone to go for two months this fall to help do advance work for the school. And I said I would go. So who knows? I might be there longer than I thought. What else is on your vision board? Um, <laughs> there is a, a big hot air balloon and there's a pen and the words, I got you. And then next to that is little me. And I mean, I always pull things out without any thought and without any planning. And that pen, I got you, little me, is really, I think, this memoir, you know, and this big hot air balloon with this African sun behind it, actually, that's smack in the middle of it. And I didn't know what that meant for a little bit, you know, the little me thing, but that must be what it, what it is. Say more about little me. I'm not sure I, I get what that is. Well, the little girl, so the beginning of the book is a prologue, and it's, um, you know, it's, it is memoir and it's, um, little Caitlin sitting on a kneeling on a threadbare couch at about six o'clock at night and it's winter. So it's, it's fall. So it's dark early and she's home alone and she's staring out this window and her mom has left. Everybody wants out of this house because it's, just, you know, it's a crazy freaking house. <laughs> and so everybody goes and she's alone. She goes, her mom goes to the grocery store and before Caitlin can say me too, she's out and slamming the door and she says, I'll be back. So she's like six and she's watching all these cars driving down this this little street in front of her house and they're all paired two by two. And as I, as she says in the book, she can almost hear the romantic music wafting out of the, the radios and they're all going to this fabulous place to be together. And the garage doors open and the little cars drive in and they close and tuck them safely into their homes and, Here's little Caitlin kneeling by herself on this couch thinking, God, look at the life out there. Look at everyone is so happy. And here I am all alone in this dark little house waiting for someone to come home. And so that little me is how the, you know, that, that, that girl's how the, the book starts in this prologue. And so that's, I think the little girl who's trying, trying to be taken care of, but always had to take care of herself and really everyone else is, um, who's really talking in the book. What else is on the board? There is a long list of all different wine bottles because <laughs> I'm a wine freak, hence the Sonoma. Um, I started studying wine. I just took a class with the Napa Wine Academy and I just love the whole business of wine. So that's on there. There is a, a hand holding up a big wad of pink cotton candy and there's a, ocean below it and a sky above. And I have put the words fall in love underneath that for whatever reason. <laughs> and of course, to the far right, there is a, a picture of a very handsome man and woman, and they're just kind of embracing in this nice house. And, um, and which I, what I thought was, um, more Africa. There's a, a cougar's head right next to it. <laughs> and 
um, my friends say that. Of course, I always date younger men, so that's the cougar. I didn't even think of it. <laughs> Well, what would you say is your message for the world? And maybe to put it out in a context, say there you could run an ad for the Super Bowl. What would your advertisement be and what would it be wanting people to do? I would say for heaven's sakes, go out there and taste life. I mean, through your, through travel, through relationships, through art, through your art. It's just so, there's so much out there and I love all of it. And it's hard for me. I feel a little schizophrenic because every time I find something I love, I want to put it on my board and the board is only so big, you know, sometimes. Um, and people say, my God, you know, like you just get crazy over everything you do, but it's also, it's also interesting and it's also magical to me. And there's so much to see and for heaven's sake, if if you're going to live in your little small town and your little, you know, Midwestern state in your country, travel, do something to realize what is all out there. I mean, see it and taste it at least every year. I mean, that makes my heart even hurt to think that people don't do that more than once a year. But I, I get get it that people can't always. Um, I have no children, so that makes it you know, even easier for me. But I just, I want people to, to see this big world for what it is. And what advice would you give people in terms of taking some small steps in that direction? They have no idea that they're, they're hearing you say right now, take a trip, travel more than once a year, but they're just sitting on the couch with that bag of Doritos saying, but Kathy, I don't even know what to do. What'd you tell them? Well, maybe they could start with a vision board. <laughs> it's funny nice. because it, it lit up these girls. I mean, I, I hang out with a bunch of girlfriends um, that are really friends of a friend. And they're not in this this world that I've found myself in. And they loved it. I mean, they totally were unaware of this whole concept. And they were surprised by the things that they pulled out. You well, know, Tell us about that concept because... I think I know what a vision board is, but I've never created one. It sounds, some people I think will be like, that sounds a little woo woo. Like what, well, what I is thought, it? Yeah, like, yeah. Walk us through it. Uh, my first uh, coach, she was a business coach actually. And I had a Christmas party for my staff and I would have it somewhere different every year, somewhere wonderful. And they could have whatever they wanted. And it was a whole different cultural experience because they were wonderful people, but they were workaday people who didn't really get to experience life. You know, there it is again. And, um, so I had her come into my home and I had this big dinner for about 50 people and she brought a bunch of cardboard and, uh, I gathered a bunch of magazines and glue sticks and scissors and we all sat on the floor and we all got a big glass of wine and we had 20 minutes to just pull stuff out of a magazine. Don't think about it. Just pull anything that catches your eye, words, pictures, anything. And then you can cut it, you can do whatever you like, but take that glue stick and put them on your board. And we didn't realize we were even going to share it. We just did it. And then one by one, we held them up and we looked at them. And the most surprising thing that I, that happened to me, wasn't really the pictures, but I thought I was such a random edgy gal. And all of my pictures were cut in sort of straight little squares and they were all just like in a line. And I thought, oh my God, look at how I organized this. 
I'm not an organized girl, but it was all very straightforward, you know? <laughs> I was so surprised at other people who I thought were, you know, really, you know, organized people. Theirs were all cut in different shapes and pasted on top of each other. And I was so surprised at that. But you know what? I said before that I'm a straightforward person and maybe, maybe the, my message is always straightforward. I don't know. So that gave me the shiver. So this is a Christmas party. There's 50 people there. Mm-hmm. And you're sitting on the floor. <laughs> and when I guess I'm guessing nice Christmas, you know, holiday yeah. party attire uh-huh. with glue sticks, scissors, cardboard and magazines. <laughs> yeah. They loved it. And this was your idea or this was someone else's idea? That's the part I didn't quite catch. Well, my coach had talked about it. Okay. And so when so I you had just did her, it. I had her speak at the at the my um Oh, at the party. party. I gave them a little mini coaching session, you know, and um And then we did this. This was like one of the things that one of her little games that we, we always do some kind of a game thing, you know, that was like our little game for the year. So make this really, 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 really tactical. So I need a piece of cardboard or a poster board or something. I need glue Mm -hmm. stick. And then Mm -hmm. I just need like some random magazines I don't care about. And I just tear out pictures. And then like, how do I know words? How do I know which pictures or words to pick? So on my board, on the left-hand corner, I've got a big rectangle, and it is a blue sky, and there's a million birds flapping through it. Now, that just totally spoke to me, and I ripped it out. There's a big word, and it's, it's blue background, and it's white letters, and it says further. And that word just hit me, so I pulled it out. So you're just looking for just... Anything that hits you. So it's just whatever hits you. Don't think about yeah, it. Don't, don't think about it. I don't let my people think about it. I do it like in 15 minutes, so they have to go fast. Otherwise, they'll sit and think. There's a long, 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 long pier on my board with an ocean and the blue sky and a ton of clouds. And then there's the words reality check. <laughs> you know, you never know. It's just whatever, <laughs> whatever sort of. A, oh, and then there's a tiny little word home. And that's under the picture of Africa, come to think of it. So, so you just basically make a collage and there's no right or wrong way to do it. You just take right. these pictures and you just, something grabs you, you put it down. You don't have to know why, you don't have to explain it to anyone or justify it. You just pick it. The fun part is then looking at it and thinking, wow, why did I, why did I pull that? You know, mm. what does that mean? Yeah. And I mean, I stare at it and I find something new all the time in it. All right. So, so your first challenge to people would be to create a vision board. What would the second challenge be? And that's, you know, that's just kind of a fun little thing. It just happened to to hit me. Um, I would think journaling is a great way. I was told once that you put your pen down and you write for three pages every morning. And if you have nothing to write, you write, I have nothing to write. I have nothing to write. I have nothing to write. And then finally about page, maybe two thirds of the way or a third of the way through, I forget which it is. You start writing something that means something. And you just don't lift it up. Do you do this every day? I did it for a long, long time. I have it in a while, but I probably could get back to it. You get so much truth out of that. And I mean, if you, you know, yeah, it's, it's amazing. Just don't stop moving the pen. So it's the same idea as the vision board. No filtering. You just like whatever yep. comes out of you comes out of you or whatever yep. you feel like talking about, you talk about. There's right. no and wrong you way. You don't have to read it back. But then maybe, you know, some Sunday morning when you're having coffee and you want to just kind of start paging through that. I mean, I wouldn't read it back for a while because it's, it's you know, you're kind of spewing and it's almost like getting dirt out of your system. You know, you're kind of getting this, this, this stuff out. Um, so you don't really feel like going back and revisiting it right away. But yeah, the, the journaling will just really, and if you want to have a question in mind when you journal, what would I love to see? Where would I love to go? And just start writing 
um, what would make my life happy? Uh, you know, you can have a question in mind too, certainly, but you will find that your brain after about a page will stop resisting you and it will stop being not genuine. It'll start becoming more genuine because like they say with a relationship after the first 18 months, everybody becomes who they're really going to be, <laughs> who they really are. You, know, you just can't hold it back for that long. <laughs> uh... What do you believe spiritually? Do you have any spiritual beliefs? Do you believe in God? Like, where where would you, how would you explain what you believe there? Yeah, I went to a Christian school where we, you know, had um, church on Wednesdays and on Sundays. Matter of fact, I went to a tiny Christian school. I was the only girl in my grade until I was in sixth grade. There were fifty people in our school from eighth, from first to eighth grade. <laughs> so it was a little school, and I believed. I mean, I, I believed the Bible. I, I, I'm not sure who interpreted the Bible, I guess, is a bit of an issue for me. And I don't know if who wrote the Bible, really, you know. So I totally believe in in God. I'm not an organized religion person, but I pray and I am grateful and I know I'm being led and I know I am so fortunate and I'm so guided. Um, so I don't know that whole part yet about the the Christian type of religion. I, I was brought up that way, but I'm still not sure about that. I want to believe that. Maybe I just need more time to think about that, you know? Mm-hmm. And for right now, I don't care mm-hmm. because I think that my God and I are so close and I don't need a middle man. I don't need a minister or anybody else, you know, <laughs> <laughs> coming between me Getting and Getting in the way of messing it We're up. We're good. We're good here. <laughs> All right. Uh... <laughs> Well, anything else that you want to share about who Kathy George is and think we should know? I am in this place now, which is so interesting. I have given up almost every piece of the business, the invoicing and things that I used to have to do to keep my finger on the pulse of the business, which kept me from really being free from that hard mechanical part of my world. My friends would laugh at me. My God, you're spending 10 hours a week. You know, you can't do that. No, I can't do that. Because if I do that, I lose the part of me that I'm trying to to develop. So I still have, you know, some of that there. And I always check it in. But I've got a fair amount of time now. And um, I get up in the morning and I read something inspirational. And I maybe listen to a blog, which I'm hoping to start doing. Um, blogging, I mean. And then I start do some writing. And, um, I have a, I always play tennis every day. So I, I have a little structure, but I need to get more structured because it is interesting to have so much freedom. It's challenging. And matter of fact, I've said to my friends, I have got this interesting trifecta. I have no mate. I have no children and I have no job that I have to go to. And tell me who, you know, that has all three. And it's hard to, there's not many of us out there, you know? <laughs> so and, and the job that I'm going to structure, obviously, is going to be this, this, you know, more time for the writing and all. But yeah, it's, so it's a, it's, it's a lot of freedom. Well, it sounds like some, some exciting things on the horizon, too. Oh, it does. And I am, not, I am not by any means negating it. I am grateful as heck for it. I couldn't be more grateful. But I just got to now, you get a little into the, I got to, I got to do this now and I got to get this going. But the more I'm 
learning. And the more I'm talking to people like you, honestly, and this whole um, thought leader industry, which I didn't even know existed, the more enthralled and enthused I get. And I think I'll figure it out pretty soon. Well, thanks for stopping by today. And uh, we look forward to checking in with you again, maybe when you get back from Senegal and, and hear all the things you learned from that. Awesome. Thanks a lot, John. I appreciate your time. Thanks for listening to The John Polster Show. Notes, links, and all that other good stuff for this episode are at johnpolster.com slash podcast. Send your questions, ideas, or a simple hello to podcast at johnpolster.com. Want to stay up to date on new episodes and receive notifications of upcoming events? Register your email address at johnpolster.com slash updates.